Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast. I am your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And joining me again today is Hani Amadian. Hani, before we dive into this Lakers Rockets game four, I want to just say good luck tomorrow with your Raptors in a big game seven. They actually flipped the uh, slots. The West game is going to go first and yeah. the uh, the East boys get the uh, primetime slot. Are you a little nervous yet or how are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, you know, the butterflies in the stomach are, are going a little crazy, but I have faith. You know, once OG made that huge shot in game three to basically save our our season, <laughs> uh, I felt pretty comfortable. And, you know, I, I feel like it's destined that, that we'll win this series against the goddamn Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh well, I mean, obviously, you know, you got all of Lakers Nation pulling for for your boys tomorrow. So uh, go go Raptors, right? Exactly. And, and I feel like that's like the only time you'll ever hear me say that because uh, I'm 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 so annoyed by them on a year year to year basis because they always beat the Lakers now. But uh, go Raptors tomorrow, beat those yeah. those green bastards. I, I'm looking forward to Kyle Lowry grifting his way into another huge game seven win. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> and that's where we disagree but uh uh yeah no obviously we're all rooting for the raptors tomorrow but we have another laker game to talk about and it was a good one it was a good one after dropping game one again the lakers again have reeled off <laughs> three straight wins they win game four uh tonight by the time we're recording this uh, yesterday, uh, by the time you're probably listening to it, but the Lakers beat the Rockets 110 to 100. Game really was not that close. I uh, got a little nervous at the end there, but ultimately the Lakers fend off the Rockets and take a 3-1 series lead and push the Rockets to the brink of elimination. Can we talk about how bad of a sports day it was for for Houston? Like the Texans lose, the Rockets lose. I'm pretty sure the Astros lost too. Yeah. Just just a rough day all around for Houston. I mean, I don't feel bad at all though. It couldn't happen. Well, it could happen to one better city, <laughs> and hopefully it will tomorrow. But um, 
you know, se- second best is is what what the Rockets are used to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes not even that that good. So, uh, yeah, no, the Lakers take a three-one series lead and. Things are looking good. Things are looking good. Before we dive into this uh, this podcast, guys, uh, be sure, as always, if you like the pod, to subscribe to us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, uh, we're there. So be sure to subscribe. And you can follow all of our socials, uh, at Lakers Outsiders on Twitter and Instagram. And you can like us on Facebook. And you can get all of our content up on LakersOutsiders.com. You can follow Hani on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. And follow me on Twitter at Gary Kester. You can also follow Honey on Twitter at Raptors Outsiders. It's a big day for them tomorrow. So I wanted to make sure I give you a shout out. For you that. almost forgot. And I also thought you were about to say that they can follow you at Raptors Outsiders. <laughs> the moment I do that, I'm just going to end the podcast, just throw it up unedited, and we'll just be done. But uh, didn't 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 slip too much. So uh, yeah, be sure to follow Lakers Outsiders and UCAS Studios uh, on all those platforms. And yeah. Let's dive into this game, honey. It was a relatively low-stress game until about the last two or three minutes of the game uh, where it got a little tight, but ultimately the Lakers hold them off. What were your initial thoughts to uh, a pretty convincing uh, Game 4 win by the Lakers? I, I think the main takeaway has to be that the Lakers are 2-0 and since Halsey started a, a separate account to tweet about <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Those are the two important stats of the night. 2-0 and when she has you know her, her NBA Twitter account. And the Lakers are undefeated. Never lost a playoff game when Taylor Horton Tucker plays. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. I'll add one more. The Lakers are three and zero when the Rockets shoot forty percent from three in this series. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, this is I, I guess now the the second straight game that they've held the Rockets to about thirty three pointers. I think they shot thirty three tonight after thirty in game uh, three. Um, it's kind of amazing that the defensive game plan from this team and the, the way that they're uh, just rotating, uh, making guys dribble past them, the, the smart double teams of James Harden late in the clock where he's passing it off to somebody who doesn't know what to do with the ball because they're <laughs> not used to having it in those situations. Uh, honestly, I was so impressed, not necessarily because I thought it was the right decision or the wrong decision, I was so impressed by Frank Vogel in a 2-1 series where it looked like the Lakers had kind of taken control and, and would ultimately win, making the bold decision to change his starting lineup for the first time in forever and mm-hmm. in, in starting Markeith Morris over JaVale, JaVale McGee. Like I said, I think there are some moments where it made sense for the Lakers to play big, but Vogel obviously just hung his hat on the fact that over the course of the series, when the Lakers have gone small, they've done it better than the Rockets have, even though the Rockets are so much more used to it. They're able to kind of uh, defend all of the Rockets guys. They can switch, they can trap, they can do whatever, they can rotate to shooters easily and still not really give up a whole lot, you know, in the size department. They still dominated the glass. They doubled them up uh, in rebounding. I think it was 12 to 1 on the offensive glass. Um, and you know, even, you know, guys like LeBron kind of take that as a challenge. Oh, look, our seven foot starting center isn't playing even the eight minutes that he played in the last game. And LeBron went out there and got 15 rebounds. Rajon Rondo went out there and got 10 rebounds. It's like the mentality of this team top down to not really ever be satisfied, except for the fourth quarter when it seemed like they were a little too satisfied. (laughs) Um, it's so impressive to me and it like, 
who knows what's going to happen moving forward. I, I think we both feel confident that they're going to win this series now, obviously. And who knows what happens in the conference finals. But regardless of what happens, this feels like a championship team. Yeah, it's you're definitely getting that vibe. And <clears throat> one thing, because I always watch these games with my dad, you know, kind of one of my traditions since I was a little kid, because uh, he's the reason I became a Laker fan. Uh, good parenting, by the way, dad. <laughs> and one thing that we just kind of we kind of both were talking about was like the Lakers have kind of beaten this team in different ways in these three games, which mm-hmm. I think is the sign of a really good team or possibly a great team, whatever a championship level team is that they're not having to do it a specific way. And I think it's the, the fact that the Lakers are going small and doing it better than the Rockets is pissing off Rockets fans and somehow like devalues the wins. I mean, hey, whatever helps you sleep at night. But <laughs> I'd be I'd be a little upset, too, if I got. You know, Danny Green coming in to get some offensive rebounds and a tip-in layup. Rondo's flying in and out, just reaching to the rafters to get some of these rebounds. Like, I was literally, you know, the, like, blinking guy meme? That was me on about two of his rebounds today. I was just like, excuse me? (laughs) Rondo, hello? (laughs) Yeah, it was just crazy. But the thing that really jumped out to me – the positive, I guess, was that TNT kept kind of highlighting it. The like all the effort stats, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the rebounding. The Lakers doubled the Rockets in rebounds tonight, 52 to 26, even though they went small. And JaVale didn't play. Dwight didn't play. Uh, the Lakers only played nine guys in this game. Uh, and Horton Tucker was was one of them with just seven minutes. So it was a pretty short rotation. Um, but that's that's just the thing. It's like they they dominated the glass it was 52 26 i mean they were getting out they were getting points in transition points off turnovers uh, points in the paint they just dominated i think it was 62 to 24 um it was just crazy i mean when you look at the box score and you kind of see if you would have told me the Rockets shot 42 percent from the three-point line and they also shot 23 more free throws than the lakers i probably would have thought it was bad news for the lakers but the fact that lakers because of the rebounding Right, because of just the hustle and the effort, uh, they had 88 shot attempts to the Rockets, 65. Um, the Rockets, 14 threes made, 14 out of 33. Lakers are nine of 30. Obviously, that's an advantage for Houston, but it's not such an astronomical advantage that that's kind of how the Rockets have to beat this Lakers team is they have to hit a ton of threes, and the, the Lakers are keeping them pretty much in check. Like if they're only getting 14 threes, that's that's pretty good. I mean that. Uh, game two win where the Rockets just kind of went ballistic from three. The Lakers still found a way to win that game. That was really the first sign for me that was like, okay, I think we're okay in this series. I mean, I wasn't overly worried going into this series as evidenced by my Lakers in five prediction, which by the way, not to, you know, just, just want to throw it out there that we're one win away from that being true and me being two for two, even though the order of the wins went a little different, but we'll disregard that. So, uh, because it doesn't fit my narrative, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the fact that this team is just, I mean, they, they outworked them and they set the tone early, right? Like it was kind of the difference. I feel like the Lakers were kind of starting slow in some of these games. The first half was a little rough, kind of getting maybe like a feel for it today. They, they hit first, their defensive rotations were awesome. Uh, one of the, the shots that TNT showed was like the shot clock cam from the opposite end of the court and just seeing the, the Lakers rotations and just guys sprinting, chasing them off the line and then helping the helper getting back to where they need to be. It was just, it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. And what's been really impressive over the course of now, what is this, uh, nine uh, playoff games? 
watching those rotations get more it's not necessarily even that they're trying harder it's just so much more focused so much more crisp so much smarter it's not you don't have those moments where two guys are rotating out to the same guy anymore like we saw in game one when the rockets won that happened a lot in game one yeah uh, where where they just didn't know exactly where they had to rotate to it wasn't that they weren't trying it was that they the the there wasn't like a, a strong focus of where they had to be now in game five, you don't see those mistakes anymore, really. Like mm-hmm. every once in a while, maybe fatigue sets in and maybe the rotation is a little too short or a little too uh, too long and, and, and you're kind of out of position. But um, from a team perspective, they know exactly where they have to be at all times. They are clicking. And uh, Zach Lowe wrote actually a really great column about this on ESPN today about their rotations. And I'd really recommend that to people because there's uh, good videos of it too. But like, Seeing, you know, uh, like Kyle Kuzma go out on a rotation to stop a shooter. And then instead of sticking with the guy, he lets him go because he knows Markeith Morris is right behind him and he's going to pick him up. And he goes immediately to the corner and makes sure that that guy doesn't get a three-point mm. shot off. Like, it's just so, so unbelievably smart from this team. And, uh, man, like, Frank Vogel deserves all the credit for that, in my opinion. Like, they have obviously done their work in the film room and in practices, just making sure these guys know exactly what they have to do. Yeah, it's it's just been impressive to, to see kind of – I mean, we've kind of said for a while now, I think, that this team um, – the well, at least <clears throat> my belief has always been the two, like, X factors for this team is – if they can get a third guy that steps up and and provides like the scoring support along with AD and LeBron, though you know it takes them to another level. When this team is locked in defensively, I'm not sure there's a team that can beat them four times out of seven. The Clippers, to me, are the only team uh, left standing that have a shot at doing that because they're all equally probably as good defensively. They're both they're both just absolute defensive juggernauts when they're both locked in. Um, yeah, it's it's just it was so impressive to watch, and I I feel like you know for the most part of most part tonight, uh, they just did a great job really all around. They were taking the ball out of uh, Harden's hands. I mean, it's kind of a classic Harden game in 39 minutes. He has 21 points on two made shots. Uh, so they put him on the free throw line too much, which some of it, I you know, I thought a couple of those were silly fouls. There were a couple, yeah. I think they fouled him about like midcourt. Uh, so you got to avoid some of those. But ultimately, I mean, Harden's going to get to the free throw line. It's it's how he plays. It's what he does. And But if he's... If he's shooting two of eleven, and you know you have Russ taking sixteen shots, I, I think the Lakers would take that every single time. Yeah, and could you tell me if there was a certain Laker that maybe only played seven minutes and was a rookie and a second rounder that also only made two shots tonight? Yeah, he was two of five. <laughs> he didn't need eleven shots to make his two field goals. Okay, that's what I thought. He also <laughs> needed half the three point attempts to make his one three point shot, which is the same <laughs> amount as James Harden, which is crazy. And yeah. I also want to highlight, too, that Taylor Horton Tucker was a plus nine tonight and James Harden was a plus zero. You know, these these are really adding up. And uh, when you when you take into account that they are both a couple of thick boys, I think uh, <laughs> I think the Lakers got themselves a good one. Hey, I, I commend uh, THT for just being ready, man. It was yeah. pretty crazy. I, I thought Kenny Smith at, at halftime kind of brought up a good point that you know, for a rookie to step up and just not be, you know, scared of that moment. 
And I also loved, I, I kind of think it speaks to, it speaks volumes of this team's chemistry. The bench's reactions to him really making any plays was just, it was awesome to see and how much they supported this rookie. Cause this is a team filled with veteran guys that have been there, done that, uh, won championships, played in big games. And you see, I mean, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee are going nuts on the bench for, for THT. And they're two guys that are a normal part of the rotation that really aren't playing in this series. And yeah. like for them to keep a positive attitude and, you know, still be engaged and all that. And, you know, Kenny Smith said, like, that could have been any one of those guys' moments, like getting back into the game mm-hmm. and and having, you know, you know minutes like that. It could have been Jared Dudley because uh, yeah. he kind of plays on the perimeter as well. But TSC was ready to go. And, and man, he... He made Lakers Twitter proud. That's that's like that's like our our baby, and and he made us so proud today. Just the ultimate heat check from Frank Vogel in a two-one series. Game was still pretty close when THD came in too. He's like, all right, we have we've only played you like ten games all year. Go out there, see what you can do. It was Frank Vogel's like release the Kraken moment. He's like, all right, we're done playing around. THD, get in there. Let's put these guys away. It was like the it was like his moment of. LeBron pulling up from 35 after he makes one layup. <laughs> I honestly thought after like the he hit the three, I thought we were gonna get like a THD heat check. I was like, yeah. I, I kind of need it. Like he took another three after that, but I, I thought he was gonna like get one and just pull from 30, and oh, it would have been beautiful. But the rook, you know, he 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 stayed humble. He stayed humble. He's yeah. not getting ahead of himself. He he was. Showing a little bit of pity to the Rockets. Which is- yeah, you don't want to show too much. Like, what's the point in, in, in throwing out everything in a game that you're going to win easily? Might as well save some of it for, you know, the next round. He's going to save it for the next round in the finals. And, you know, when he steals finals MVP away from LeBron and AD, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, uh, yeah, no, it was fun to see him <laughs> see him out there playing. But uh, it's another thing with this team, too, that I think this series especially – has kind of highlighted is that a lot of people, I feel like we go into every series, went into the Portland series, went into the Rocket series, where opposing fans are saying that team has nobody outside of their two superstars, right? They don't have a third guy. Danny Green hasn't been the same this year. Uh, KCP up and down. You know, there's there's all this stuff that said, you know, Kuzma up and down, whatever. The fact that this team just continuously either does it by committee or they do have a third guy that steps up and it can be a different guy every night. Last mm-hmm. game, it was Rondo. I mean, Rondo played well in game two as well. Tonight, it's kind of more so Alex Caruso, who has 16 points, uh, five of nine shooting, plays great defense as always. Hits a big three that really put put the game on ice when it got within five with a minute to go, which is very much in reach. I wasn't overly concerned because I was like, all right, all the Lakers got to do is hit a shot and put this thing away. Didn't yeah. think it would be a Caruso corner three, but uh, he was two of five from the three-point line. The last couple of games, he's hit some big threes. I just I love the balance of this team. I mean, you look at the starters, four guys in double figures. It was a game that LeBron was pretty much on cruise control most of the time, except, you know, the the I mean, he still has his classic LeBron, right? Like fills the stat sheet with 16 points, 15 boards, nine assists, a couple of steals. Um, but you, I mean, look down the line. AD has a fairly quiet 29. Like I didn't really realize he had 29 until I looked at the stats. I was like, oh wow. But he had 29, 12, and five, uh, a couple of blocks. Danny Green had 10, KCP had 10, Rondo had 11, uh, Morris had 9, and AC has 16. So, like, it's a little more by committee, but they they just continually have a guy outside of the two superstars that keeps stepping up every night. And to me, that's a sign of a, a championship-level team is that you have those different guys that can step up 
in any given situation. Yeah, and I think that's sort of when the Lakers season turned around from just being, oh, the Lakers are good to the Lakers are a title contender to me, or well, I mean, they were always a title contender, but where I legitimately felt like they, they had maybe the best shot of doing it to me was when they stopped kind of trying to fit Kyle Kuzma like a, like a, you know, square peg in a round hole, trying to force him into being that third scorer. And once he became sort of that, just maybe the third best player on any given night by being a great defender, by being a better passer, by being a better rebounder, et cetera. I think that's kind of what turned this Lakers team into more of a juggernaut because now he doesn't have to do too much. It makes the other players more comfortable. It makes everybody capable of having these type of performances. Um, Kuzma, I think tonight had a really great game by only scoring four points. (laughs) He didn't even have a rebound, I don't think. But I thought he he was making smart cuts. He was playing great defense. Um, He had a couple opportunities to get offensive rebounds, but the shot just rolled in right before he went for it. He almost had a massive dunk that he got fouled on, et cetera, et cetera. But the um, but the but it's the series is rigged for the uh, the opposing team. Yes, <clears throat> this was the most rigged game I've ever seen with a twenty-something point free throw differential. <laughs> oh boy, Man, yeah. If, if LeBron had not sent out his shooters to get Daniel House out of this game, I don't know if the Rockets would have <laughs> lost by this many. <laughs> they they would have been up by thirty the whole game uh, if they just they just had him, but. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's like you said, man. I mean guys are just, and that's to me that's that's kind of the difference. Obviously, besides the talent gap between this year's team and last year's team, I mean last year's team obviously was super young, and this is a you know team filled with veterans. But this team, guys understand their roles, right? Usually, you don't see guys really do anything out of character or anything that they're not asked to do. Like KCP knows. I got to defend and I got to hit open threes when they're presented. Danny Green, same thing. Morris, I got to defend, you know, be tough inside, hit open threes when they're presented. Uh, Rondo knows his role. Kuzma now, I think, really is comfortable in his role with being kind of that three and D type of wing. And he's still got, you know, those, those moments that he can be a little bit of a playmaker and he can, you know, play really well off the ball, cut to the basket, be almost kind of a slasher type player. You know, these guys know their roles, whereas like last year's team, it was like, you you know, with Ingram there with LeBron, kind of similar styles, like need the, you know, don't need the ball, but kind of want the ball in their hands. They're more comfortable with the ball in their hands. Uh, Just play styles and skill sets that kind of overlapped with one another with all those young guys. This team is just more like we know it's the LeBron and AD show and we got to fit in where we're needed. And I also think the Lakers, this, this team's, far better coached uh no offense to luke walton or anything but frank vogel has just been really good with this team not only with their defense but just i mean throughout the year he's had some some hiccups here and there like pretty much every coach does um but i mean just no complaints i mean it's been impressive after game one i was a little skeptical that you know even though i predicted this series in five how this series would go i thought it'd be more of a dogfight than what we've seen mm-hmm. but i will say does it kind of, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I felt like the Lakers were a step quicker tonight and not just with effort and hustle. They just seemed, I don't know, maybe that rest between rounds is really starting to pay off. Whereas like game one, maybe the Rockets were still kind of off of a little bit of a high of winning a very tight game seven. And, 
you know, the Lakers were a little, little lackadaisical with all that rest, but now I think you're starting to see it pay off. And Mike D'Antoni said after the last game, you know, maybe those guys, you know, maybe their guys had some tired legs and their three start, stopped to, you know, stop dropping in the second half. And maybe I think that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit tonight because the Rockets just looked really flat, which was really surprising to me considering this is kind of a must win game for them. Yeah. Um, I did, I did feel the same way. And, you know, we, we discussed this a little bit about how the Rockets play style, um, over the years has kind of led to this always being an issue for James Harden specifically, where he legitimately seems tired every single playoff. Um, and, and that has an impact on his game. And this was maybe his best postseason run in his career um, between the first round and, and the first few games of this uh, series. And, you know, other than getting to the free throw line, which obviously is an important part of this game, but other than that, he looked pretty awful tonight. And so did the rest of the Rockets. I don't know how much of it is fatigue. I don't know how much of it was them giving up once uh, once it seemed like it was a pretty insurmountable lead. Um, and they are a team that I think kind of they're they're the reverse of the Lakers in a in a sense. I think um, they're a good defensive team, but I think they get hyped off of the uh, off the offense more. It's like right. you know once once shots start falling, all of a sudden their their rotations start looking better and and they they become a juggernaut of a team. Uh, the Lakers, I think, are the opposite where they kind of build off defensively get out and transition a few times and then they get that confidence offensively mm-hmm. um so i don't know if that was an issue where you know first half their shots aren't falling as much as they did in the second half maybe that kind of contributed to them being a little bit slower defensively but they never really got that pep in their step on defense even in the second half once they started hitting more shots i don't think their defense really looked great i think they got bailed out by the lakers a ton of times where they were draining the clock out and then not getting good shots. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, the, the effort and just, you know, the, the speed that LeBron loved to talk about wasn't really there. Although I, I will point out, I think the Lakers deserve a ton of credit, especially in transition. They, I don't think the Rockets scored a single fast break point tonight. Um, or it might've been like two, one. Yeah, they got two with, I think it was like within about a minute and a half left or a little over a minute. Uh, Austin yeah. Rivers had a layup on a fast break, but that was it. Yeah, and that was a huge issue in game one. Uh, the disparity in, in fast break points was a huge issue for the Lakers, and they have completely shut that down over the course of the series. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been beautiful to watch, man. It's it's just been the evolution of this series. I don't know. I, I kind of have had a feeling, and I, I guess I kind of felt that way. I mean, I guess the first round series was kind of confirmation of it that this Rockets team when you're a team that relies so heavily on the three point line can be kind of front runners a little bit. Whereas, you know, they got in that game seven and things got a little tight for them, you know, and they didn't, they looked out of sorts a lot of times in that game seven against OKC. And I really thought they should have handled OKC uh, mm-hmm. a lot easier than they did. And I don't know, after th- that series gave me a lot of confidence, wavered a little bit after the game one, but I'll, after hearing kind of <clears throat> the uh, thoughts of the Laker players after that, there was a couple guys that said, kind of just needed a game to feel these guys out a little bit because no matter how you prep for them, it's a little different when you get into that game situation because it is such a funky matchup. But back to like the topic of these guys, the, the Rockets possibly just being tired. Harden, I mean, just the way the Rockets have played the last few years, doesn't matter if they have Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, whoever, he just he has to do so much for them. 
And I kind of noticed it more so tonight that when the Lakers trap him at midcourt and get the ball out of his hands, there's so many possessions that he doesn't reinsert himself into the offense. Like he'll just stand mm-hmm. kind of 40 feet from the basket. And it because I mean, it's a four on three initially, but then, you know, a Laker rotates back and it becomes four on four and you're taking Harden out of the equation on a lot of these possessions. And that's, I mean, that's a big win for the Lakers, but also playing small like this, I think you can do it in stretches. And I think it's a big reason why Anthony Davis doesn't like to play the five particularly. Although he did say tonight, like playoffs, he has no problem with it because he just wants to win. Um, but, you know, over the course of like an 82 game season, which obviously the Rockets didn't play this way for 82 games, but have been doing it since February, um, even with the long layoff and just now, I mean, doing it every other day. Beach, like a guy like PJ Tucker. We yeah. we talked about in the last game, felt like he was a total non-factor. I felt that way tonight. And like yeah. he's a guy that is, you know, as as strong as he is and like how physically built he is, you know, he's still what, six six going up against big guys every yeah. single night. It was Steven Adams in the last series, it's A D in this series. And I mean, tonight he's scoreless, three rebounds. He had a block shot, but oh for oh. four from the field, oh of two from the three point line. A non-factor, and that's, and that's huge. Back-to-back games a, that they yeah. held them held them to two uh, three-point attempts, which is huge. Yeah, and that's I mean that's huge because I always feel like PJ Tucker is their X factor when he's defending. And I was always kind of getting annoyed in like those first two games where he was getting offensive rebounds in the middle mm-hmm. of four Lakers, and like that's the stuff that they count on him for. But man, when he's just constantly playing up against big guys, you know, all the time, he doesn't get to go up against guys his size or smaller. I think it just it takes a lot out of you. Uh, as as a player to continuously have to kind of play untraditionally untraditionally like that and play up against bigger guys. I mean, it physically takes a toll, and it's why you know big guys are <laughs> the way they are. I mean, they're bigger people, they're yeah. bigger players, um, and can physically kind of withstand that a little bit more. And I don't know. I, I don't know if the Rockets are running out of gas. I'm really curious to see how they come out in Game Five. I could see it going either way. I was kind of surprised. Throughout the majority of the game, I was like, man, I was like, I can't believe that this team hasn't hit like a desperation point. Right. Because mm-hmm. nobody wants to go down three one because that's almost curtains like that's almost uh, a wrap for you. If you go down three one, only I think 12 teams have done it in the history of of the league that the Nuggets did that in the last round. And uh, I doubt they'll be able to do it again against the Clippers, but that would be hilarious if they did. <laughs> but. Yeah, the desperation didn't seem to really kick in until they got, I think, within like 10 with like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it was like, I expected it to come much faster than that, like much earlier than that. And the fact that, I don't know, to me, that was like a clear sign that these guys are running on fumes, like they're they're running out of gas. Yeah, I think I think it's a clear sign that one, they are running out of gas in terms of fatigue. And I also think they look like a team that doesn't really have answers anymore. And to me, part of it is just the issue of how they play. It kind of makes them easy to scheme, I think. Uh, they're a team that can obviously uh, score points in bunches just because of the volume of threes that they take. But they're also a team that's not very varied in their offense. They basically do the same thing over and over again. Um, and when you take away their three-point shot and you got a seven-footer in the paint that's you know preventing layups for the most part, that forces them to take those mid-range shots that like these guys are not used to taking. I think I saw today Eric Gordon hit a mid-range shot. It was his second one like all year or something. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I'd have to check that. But it 
it sounded believable enough that I'm saying it on this podcast. Um, or guys like PJ Tucker or whoever, these guys don't take those mid-range jumpers. They are not used to it. Even a guy like Harden, who is obviously a great scorer in general, he doesn't really have that like mid-range game or a floater game. Um, and I actually talked to, talked about this with Justin after our game one pod, who's you know a Rockets fan, and he was kind of talking about that as well. If you force him into taking those floaters, like he's not really comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the case with the entirety of the Rockets. It makes, you know, obviously the Lakers still have to put a ton of effort defensively to make sure that they don't get those shots off. But I don't think mentally they have to do much more than, okay, I'm rotating to this guy and forcing him off the line. Like it, it's not a lot of, all right, now that I forced him off the line, I got to stick with him, make sure he doesn't shoot this jumper. I got to contest it from behind, et cetera. It's just don't prevent layups, prevent threes and and let them do the rest. I think we talked about a little bit after game three um, that these guys, some of these guys get so flustered when they have to possibly take a mid range jumper yeah. that their reaction is their first instinct, I think is to throw it out to the three point line. And there was a couple instances in this game too, where it was like, I think it might've been PJ Tucker. It was either Tucker or Gordon. I can't remember, but could have driven it all the way in for a layup, tried to draw contact or whatever, or taken a wide open 15 footer. His reaction was to throw it to the three-point line, and he threw it to a guy that was covered on the three-point yeah. line. So that's just, yeah, that's how they play, and that's I think that's where they differ. Um, these two teams are very different because the Lakers can go big and they can go small. They can beat you in different ways, and I kind of had this thought process with, like, the Lakers. They won with transition being kind of a, a problem, you know, in, in the past. Uh, I think it was the last game, right, um, mm-hmm. where transition opportunities were kind of um, a weakness. Well, the Lakers, I kind of think with this this matchup is that the Lakers want to play fast, right? Like they want to get out in transition because they have probably the maybe the best transition player ever to play the game in LeBron James. And, you know, they've got these guys that want to get out and run. They want to get out and fill lanes, either cut to the basket or get wide open threes. And that's how they want to play. And so the Rockets playing small kind of feeds into that a little bit, especially with like these long rebounds off of the three-point yeah. shots. And with the Lakers, it's like you almost have to pick your poison, whereas the Rockets are going to play one way consistently all the time. They're going to make some minor tweaks here and there. The Lakers, they want to play fast. So if you play fast, you're playing with fire because if you get LeBron out in transition, especially with AD. uh, By the way, that LeBron full-length court, like overhead pass to AD, he made that look so incredibly easy. And I think 99 out of 100 people, like if you picked that random, couldn't even throw the basketball that far. And he made it just like, look, so routine. But anyways, the Lakers can either beat you by playing fast. And if you want to slow them down and play a half court game, then you're going up against their set defense, which in the half court is just very, very difficult to play. I think against the Clippers, assuming the Lakers finish this off and assuming the Clippers finish off the Nuggets series, I think you're going to see that the games kind of slow down a little bit and it's Mm -hmm. going to be ugly basketball to a lot of people. And there might be some lower scoring games, but man, it's going to be a slugfest. And we'll talk about the potential of that series when we actually get there. But that's just kind of my takeaways from these last three games, really, is that you want to play fast? All right, Lakers are going to get out in transition. You want to play slow? You got to go up against their set defense. And today, today, making that lineup change, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, like coming off of back-to-back wins, making the change. It's bold, but it worked because the Lakers decided, hey, we're going to go small. Well, small, even though AD's at the five, uh, he yeah. would he still towers over everybody else on Houston. But uh, and just said, we're going to trust our rotations and kind of the, the switchability and all that stuff. 
and it's it's worked beautifully. And like I said, this the fact that this Lakers team is beating the Rockets in different ways has been so encouraging for me. Yeah, exactly. And I I couldn't agree more. It's just uh, I think it's a massive sign of a of uh, of the type of team that the Lakers want to be, which is a championship winning team. When you're able to win in so many different ways. And I think it's a testament to the coaching staff, number one, but also they got a ton of veterans on this team that have seen it all. You know, guys like LeBron, a guy like Rondo, who, who LeBron spoke about the fact that, you know, we can make all the adjustments we want in between games, but there's adjustments you need to make during games too. And having a guy as smart as Rondo out there is really helping them out this series. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of, him, LeBron, Vogel, and all these guys that are kind of making sure that the team is ready to play. Um, and then also just having, you know, the the cojones to change how you play when you're so used to all its season long playing as a big team and playing two centers, basically, and, and trying to just dominate on the glass and saying, you know what, screw that. Even though we're up in this series, we're going to change how we play um, and still kill you on the, gra- on the glass, but do it in a completely different way. Yeah, it it made me kind of think back to the 2009 to 2010 Lakers. This team has been able to draw kind of some parallels a lot throughout the season with yeah. those two teams. But the, that core group in 2009-2010 faced different matchups that were just kind of a little funky. And like the, the great, I think the championship teams tend to, you know, they might hit their, their bumps in the road, but ultimately they figure it out. Like I kind of thought, I thought back to, I don't remember if I said this on the last pod or not, but I know I was saying it in a, in a group chat that I'm in, but it reminds me a little bit of that 2009 Nuggets series where it's like Kobe specifically said after that series, like middle of game five, we kind of just figured these guys out in that Western Conference Finals. And then they took off after that point. Um, and in 2010, like the Lakers, they played the, I remember they played the Jazz for a, what felt like the like eighth year in a row in the playoffs. I think it was like third year in a row, but um, but they also ran into that Suns team who played kind of an unorthodox style back then. Um, mm-hmm. They played very fast. They played small ball. They shot a lot of threes. And the Lakers were more traditional, starting two big guys. And then they had Odom come in as as that sixth, sixth man uh, at the four spot and slid Gasol over to the five. And the Lakers, you know, had some problems in that series, but ultimately they figured it out. And I felt like after game one, once, once they got that game two win, I was like, all right, it, it's just a matter of figuring these guys out. Ultimately, I trust the LeBron James-led team and and Frank Vogel and his staff who have done a great job all year uh, to figure it out. But I kind of think this game also was like almost like a coach's dream in a sense that they played really well for three and a half quarters. But then they have something to harp on the team for yeah. with like the last six minutes of the game. And like I think it's been encouraging that the players have almost acknowledged it like right away. And I mean, they were asked about it, too, right away. But the fact that they just almost weren't satisfied because they were they were kind of pissed off at how they finished that game, and you know I, I think it kind of leaves them a little hungry to to really close these guys out in the next game and to play a strong 48 minutes. I mean they obviously you know ha- have some things to correct about about the end of the game there. Yeah, I think going into the fourth, LeBron had only played 22 minutes, and I was like, yes, we are getting so much rest for LeBron, and then. <laughs> Uh, things didn't go as well. And I think he ended up playing like the entire fourth quarter. Uh, I don't remember if he even got his regular break there. Um, and Vogel seemed pissed off. He took like two at least timeouts in the fourth quarter just to like get into guys. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think 
uh, kind of like how we talked about the first round, it being a good thing that they're playing the Blazers because it's a team that will challenge them more than the other potential eight seeds. It's not bad to have a, a couple of these moments where it feels like, all right, you know what? We're not such hot shit that we're going to just uh, not try and increase the wins. We got to we got to keep up the energy and the effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that has them locked in and focused and ready for the next game. And hopefully they can close it out, you know, if they can close it out, especially because I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Clippers close out their series tomorrow. And uh, I don't know what the schedule would be like to start a Western Conference Finals, assuming that the the Lakers get there and finish this thing off and don't collapse here. Um, it, It would just be good to, you know, not delay this anymore and you know get as much rest as you can because that's going to be if those two teams meet which i'm assuming they will it's going to be a slugfest it's going to be an absolute battle it's going to be a draining series and honestly i feel like if the lakers and clippers do meet in the western conference finals to me that's the real nba finals i know that hurts as a raptors fan for you to hear but i think the clippers are the only team left they can they can still beat the lakers i i would Tend to agree. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not too convinced about anybody in these. I, like, in, in all seriousness, I did think, uh, even before the playoffs, I thought the Raptors were going to be the team to make the finals. Who knows what happens? They might lose tomorrow. They might win. But uh, having seen them struggle with the Celtics' wings, especially um, in this series, I, I'm, I wouldn't really be all that worried about them either. I think LeBron would have a great series against those guys. Um, which he has had many of in his career. <laughs> I was going to say, regular season's different. <laughs> LeBron against Toronto in the playoffs, totally, totally different animal. Yeah, and I, I guess, I mean, Miami's just a, a, a gritty, tough team, but I don't think they have the talent. And Boston, I I, I don't completely see it with them. I, I think they're, they're a really good team, and they've impressed me in this uh, series, but also they gave up a 2-0 uh lead and and almost a 3-0 lead um and and are on the brink of actually getting eliminated so who really knows yeah yeah we'll see we'll see still got one more win to go uh hopefully we're talking about a game win and a series win on saturday uh what do we say it was five o'clock pacific time on saturday right so game four five o'clock pacific time which will be a little friendlier i know today was a very early start time which is a little weird uh, it's probably nice mm-hmm. for for the Lakers because the Lakers have had that nine o'clock Eastern start time. I think pretty much every game, uh, for oh, at least most games in the bubble, uh, all their playoff games I think have have been that way. Um, so yeah, uh, they don't get back to their room at like twelve thirty one o'clock. Uh, they can get like a, you know a full night's sleep and all that and uh, get ready for the next game. And hopefully it's uh, the Rockets last of the season because I will be here for the. Uh, the Twitter roast session that it always comes with the Rockets being eliminated from the playoffs. Hopefully we don't have to experience the Lakers being eliminated from the playoffs because I don't want to just deal with that. But uh, one, one more. I just got to get one more. I have dreamt for like five years that we would get one of the Daryl Morey patented congratulations to the team that just beat us tweets for the Lakers. And God, we are so close. We are so, so close. <laughs> Listen, we we missed out on a legend, a potentially legendary, like unforgettable Twitter night of the Rockets losing Game Seven to the Thunder. Just missed out on that. But if it's the Lakers that put them out after all the talk, you got 
Twitter accounts, Rockets Twitter accounts going on private and protecting their tweets already. So just brace yourselves because if the Lakers get one more win, I mean, we're going to we're going to let them fly and then we're going to be on to the next one. So. All right. Any anything else? Yeah, I just want to say one, one last thing. Speaking of Rockets fans, somebody said Daniel House would be the Lakers third best player. <laughs> Do, have, have they met Alex Caruso? Have they met Taylor Horton Tucker? Have they met playoff Rajon Rondo? <laughs> playoff that's, Kyle that's Kuzma? Real, ooh, bubble, bubble Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, hey, like I, like I said earlier, whatever helps you sleep at night. But uh, you're down 3-1, so you better uh, figure it out or the season's going to be over. So, like I said, hopefully the Lakers close it out Saturday and we can uh, be on to the next one. That would be great. So seven wins down, hopefully uh, nine more to go, right? Math genius? Yes, that is that is the sum that leads to 16. <laughs> and that is how many wins you need for an NBA championship. <laughs> Good All right. work. I'm, I'm, I'm ending right there, ending on a high note. My uh, former math teachers and professors, I hope you're <laughs> proud of me. <laughs> But we're going to sign off. Uh, Like I said, Lakers 110, Rockets 100, Lakers 3, Rockets 1. And we're one win away from me being 100% right and Hani being 75% right. (laughs) (laughs) So we're getting out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, like I mentioned at the start, if you like Lakers Outsiders uh, and you like the podcast and uh, UCAST Studios as well, you can follow all of us or follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Lakers Outsiders, like us on Facebook. Get all of our content on LakersOutsiders.com. You can also check out UCAST Studios on UCASTstudios.com. And uh, you can follow Honey on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M and at Raptors Outsiders. Big game tomorrow uh, or tonight when by the time you're listening to this. And you can follow me on Twitter at Gary Kester. And uh, I don't have any other Outsiders accounts. So maybe um, Potato Outsiders. <laughs> and also tell Halsey to get on our podcast. That that too. <laughs> tell, tell respectfully. Her, don't be, tell don't her be people... Jerks. Tell her people to contact our people, which is me and Hani. So, uh, <laughs> or or contact the Popeyes Chicken Sandwich Hotline and tell them to sponsor us too. I mean, if we can just get a two for one, that'd be that'd be perfect. Also, yeah. we haven't shouted out David Chia. We we talked about this before we went on. The Rondo I didn't feel was great tonight. It wasn't like a full playoff Rondo performance, but he also was not bad. And I'll take that. It was like me and my predictions being at 75%. This was a 75% playoff Rondo game, I think. And I'll take it because we got 120% Alex Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker. So exactly. it all balances out. Actually, 125%. There you go. Quick math. <laughs> all right. We're getting out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, but until next time, Saturday after game five, this is Gary Kessler with Hani Amani and then the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out Tyson Chandler. Ha, 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 ha.